0: This is the Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Today our guest is Douglas Skipworth. Douglas is a super successful real estate investor. He tells us more about his experience, but let's be, uh, you know, I'll give you a little hint. He rounds the number of units that he owns between him and his one business partner to the nearest hundred. He rounds his units to the nearest hundred because he owns so many and manages many others. And he also has a virtual assistant company. And today we're talking about the value of people in your business, how to find the right people, how to vet them, how to get them up to speed and get them involved in your real estate portfolio to grow your portfolio faster without without using more of your time. So this is a, a very, very important podcast and, and critical lessons that we all need to know. And the most successful investors that I know follow all of these lessons, no matter how active or passive they are in their real estate business. They focus on the people, getting the right people in place and having those people work in the business while they themselves work on the business. Thank you for tuning in once again. I'm your host, Taylor Load. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator, meaning I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. Happy to be bringing this topic to you today. Here we go with Douglas Skipworth. Douglas, thank you for joining us today. Man, I'm glad to be here, Taylor. Thanks for having me. Happy to be talking with you on a Saturday. I don't know if you call it evening, but burning the, the weekend oil. Definitely appreciate that about you. Uh, before we get into the topic, can you tell our listeners a bit about you and your background and, and your investments?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm here in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I've got a business partner. Um, well, I say that we, we really started individually as as investors um, and then kind of came together with that one plus one equals three. We're really big in relationships, but we were both single family rental house investors um, while we had W2 jobs looking to use real estate assets, rental properties primarily to kind of build a business. And so that was what we thought would be kind of what that investment would lead to and had a manufacturing background i had a investing finance background and we thought we'd buy a manufacturing company or distribution center or something someday and ended up helping people do real estate buy houses manage houses uh you know maintain houses so so fast forward from a couple guys who were buying rental houses to kind of create financial freedom or wealth for themselves to now that is our our job we my partner and i own you know several hundred houses um and multifamily so probably 8 900 units um ourselves and then we manage another 2000 for probably 750 or 1000 investors all across the world who invest in the greater west tennessee area kind of primarily in memphis and the surrounding area and then have the maintenance company and the brokerage to kind of help do that so so we are we are full fledged investors um by day, but started as really passive, um, kind of on the uh, nights and weekends, kind of, kind of investing. And and that's who we cater to now is who our our client is, mom and pops, individual investors, folks who are looking for financial freedom, folks who are building wealth, uh, things who are looking for passive income. So
0: it's a little bit about us. I love that. I love that you, uh, you have so many units of your own that, we won't even bother we're rounding with the exact number we're going we're rounding <laughs> right? to the nearest yeah. hundred i love that yeah. lots of units And i'm sure it's constantly in flux
1: yeah that's right we, we buy some sell some <laughs> so it did changes
0: and just depends but nice that's funny i love it so you you have this uh business partner relationship and it's gotten you to where you are today how important would you say relationships have been in your real estate investments?
1: Oh man, that's a great question because, you know, when I first started, um, I was kind of on my own and uh, at my, actually my business partner and I met through jo- jogging, exercising. I moved in the same neighborhood, got introduced to one another and kind of built up a relationship through jogging. And, and part of what was great about that was the accountability. Um, we jog early in the morning. And so it's, you know, I know somebody's going to be out there waiting for me. So when the alarm goes off, I got to get up and put my shoes on. Um, and so for real estate investing, it's kind of been similar um, to have the A, the accountability of, Hey, I'm going to do a deal. And we, we, we come across a lot of people who learn and educate themselves and never do a deal. They read all the books, they take all the classes, they watch all the podcasts, listen to all the podcasts. You know, you know they, they're part of all the real estate meetups, local mm-hmm. RIAs, uh, conferences, whatever, but they never end up pulling the trigger. And so part of it for us, one of the, the big things for me is having that accountability of someone, um, the relationship. So that that's probably first and foremost, the accountability partner aspect of it. Um, and then two is just the synergies from relationships. Again, that one plus one equals three. Uh, wh- whether it's having a business partner, whether it's leveraging yourself through employees or through vendors, suppliers, contractors, um, virtual assistants, you just any type of relationship, I think brings brings leverage. Um, so for us, th- that's that's great, um, mm. as well as as well as opportunity. So. Um, I think that that would kind of be the short answer.
0: I love that, and and you're so right. I mean, I don't love the reality that there are a lot of people who spend time at the meetups and invest in programs and everything, and some of these programs are tens of thousands of dollars, and then you know they they never take action. And and you bring mm-hmm. up a great point that having another party there uh, for accountability can help drive us further. Um, in addition to actual you know your business partner and, and people that you're your partners with. How about relationships with employees and, and service providers and, and people that you know you're paying? It's not quite the same as a, a business partner relationship. Uh, how do those factor into your business?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's key. And I just briefly mentioned to the leverage um, where, I don't know if you're, you've been ever been exposed to a guy named Dan Sullivan with the strategic coach. It's a program. Um, It's awesome. Check it out. Dan Sullivan, strategic coach. He puts out all kinds of podcast materials, books, um, and He's got a concept, and there's a great little book. It's free download on his website, uh, strategiccoach.com. I don't know what the, what the link is to the book, but it's called Who, Not How. And, and it's the whole concept of so many of us and so much of our life, we're trying to figure out how to do something. And, and that's okay if you're playing in your strength area, but, but we're, like, most of us are good at a few things, and we're bad at a lot of things. It, but but we've been taught or trained or think we need to figure out how to be good at those things we're bad at, and mm. so the concept of the book is just who, not how. So don't don't spend your time figuring out how to do it. Figure out who can do it, and. That's what that's where employees and vendors and contractors and suppliers and, and, and partners, advisors come in, strategic partners where they're the they're the who, you know. So don't figure out what you want. You gotta set your goal, you gotta have a vision. Um, but instead of then spending all your time figuring out how you're gonna do it, figure out who can help you do it, who can do it for you, if it's not again something your strength area. So for us, that's what we've tried to leverage employees and vendors figuring out what we're good at and then what what we're they're better at um than we are
0: you know that that's such a great point and and i love that the the way of putting that i don't know if i've ever heard that before but but who not how that's brilliant and i'm gonna uh write that one down so i think you know, about that uh, read
1: read the book the great part about the book is it's 50 he writes a book a quarter in their 50 they're forty eight pages so they're super quick reads um but they're in there because it's just one concept it's just who not how it, it if i think i'll i'll send you a pdf and, and you can put it in show notes or something um, or link to it awesome. I'll, I'll do that i'll put a note to do
0: that fantastic it, good I, stuff I love it. it's,
1: it's super great it's a good resource quick read less than an hour yeah awesome yes yeah, so, so, i mean but that's that i mean that's the whole but that's the whole concept of relationships mm. it's you know the who not how and so otherwise you're, you're just a one man Man, man, show. I, I, am gonna butcher this, but I think it was Adam Smith. <laughs> Adam Smith and the Wealth of Nations. I mean, I think this is what. So I think he was he he published that like 1776. I think that was you know almost 250 years ago. And I think he really was one of the first ones to talk about. He was talking more about specialization and exchange and economics of like, you know, if you're one person and you're trying to do everything by yourself, you know, you might produce one, but if you have I think this was like a factory making something. Then it was like they split up all the jobs and one person did this and one person did that. And then one person did the third thing and their output, the three of them individually, they would have produced three, but together working as a team with individual jobs, specialized jobs, they produced like 10 X, you know? So I think that's the, that's the concept of, of, Hey, figure out who does what well and let them do that. And then you go play in your strength area um, Mm. and just keep those relationships going and kind of the mutually beneficial relationship. So
0: nice. I like that. And and I have a question that maybe breaks the rule of this who, not how, but let's turn who, not how on its head. How do you find the who, how, (laughs) what are (laughs) strategies that you use to find the right person?
1: Man, that's so funny because one of the concepts in that little book is there are people who are who finders (laughs) is a a term he uses uh, of just like, you know, whether it's recruiters or whether it's just people who are well connected or, um, you know, you you just, oh, you need to meet so-and-so or this person you're looking for that, you know, let's connect. Um, But, you know, I think we have found, yes, there there are, are different ways, whether it's kind of hitting your network. For, um, you know, you got to, ident- there are certain things that you have to do, right? You have to, as far as how, like you have to have the vision, you have to set the goal. You you kind of have to be the CEO of your life. Um, there, people aren't, aren't going to kind of really tell you what to do or, uh, you know, at least we've got that uh, luxury in, in our day and age to be the CEOs of our life to kind of chart our own paths. Um, so you got to figure that out. And then there are little things along the way you got to figure out, like, Hey, what, what, what kind of person am I looking for? Who am I looking for? You know, and, and then there are different ways to do that. Whether you use recruiters, whether you use um, your network, whether you use, we use a lot of, um, we clearly define what we want. And then we do like a personality work style. We use a thing called culture index. It's like Colby or Myers-Briggs or disc or any of those little, um enneagrams any kind of personality assessment of how people what's their motivation what's their work style to kind of figure out does the does the person meet the role you know kind of here here's define what mm-hmm. we're looking for in a role then we go out and assess uh if that person um has those capabilities and then we kind of follow that warren buffett's got a great integrity, intelligence, and energy. So we kind of look for those three things with people. So do they have the integrity to match up with our core values? And then do they have the intellect uh, to kind of the smarts to do the job? And then last, do they, are they motivated? Do they have the energy? Do they have the drive? Do they have kind of the fire in the belly? Um, So when you kind of put those together with the personality assessment and, and kind of the vision, you figure out how to find those, those folks.
0: Mm. referrals, referrals from,
1: you know, your network. So,
0: so it, it sounds to me that in, if you're using that integrity, intellect values rubric, the first one integrity, that's probably the hardest one to really assess. I mean, the intellect, you can, there are tests for that, right? And, and values maybe a little easier to assess than integrity, at least up front. Is that is that a, a core value that you use when finding this who and and how do you evaluate that? I mean you mentioned these various tests. Do they do a good job of that? Um what's your your strategy?
1: Yeah, you, you, man that's you, you hit the nail on the head. Nothing none of this stuff is foolproof and <laughs> it, 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 is, it the hardest has been um to test sometimes for character and the 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 kind of the fire in the belly um, that, that passion. Um, and obviously for us, it's always best when we can promote from within or give somebody more work. We do a lot of what, especially with outside partners, we do a lot of what we call small experiments. So, uh, do one deal with somebody, give them one opportunity. And if they prove themselves, give them another kind of up it. Um, and same with internal, if you, if somebody, you know, proves themselves strong in one, one job or task and give the, them more. So that's, that's probably really the best way to actually have that personal firsthand experience on a small scale and then multiply it out. Um, and, is, you know, that, that is in, in our experience, that's the best way to do it. Um, mm. for sure. Um, we've definitely made, uh, a, a lot of mistakes in the past, of, <laughs> for, uh, in, in everything we've done. So, so, but, um, definitely on, 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 people and people, decisions, personnel and hiring, um, and even promoting and put, putting, putting the wrong people in the spots. But one of the things that we've done wrong and learned from, is when we start have started new things and putting an unproven person in a new thing mm. that that has been uh w- maybe a reckless decision for us whereas in in, the, in kind of in the future and then kind of the, have redone it and and putting since our past experiences we've gone back to new putting new putting proven people in new things um, and new people in proven things if that makes sense. Um, so it's just, it's just a slightly nuanced, you put new people in proven things and you put proven people in new things.
0: hundred percent. Yeah. That, that makes so, perfect yeah. sense. I, I totally, I, I think I understand, um, what you're, you're driving at. And one of the biggest things that I wanted to uh, touch on with you today, you know, virtual assistants are what everybody's talking about really when you're talking about scaling a real estate business and especially assessing things like integrity, intellect, and values. I mean, it's basically, (laughs) I haven't found any way to do that and to really assess them up front. What do you do to try to make sure they're a fit? I mean, are you using virtual assistants in your business and how are you controlling for that? I mean, at the end of the day, truth will out. Like you're going to figure these things out, but you don't want to waste all of this time you mentioned um, these small tasks with outside partners. Does that mean virtual assistants? I mean, what's your process for for getting one on board and and yeah. up to speed?
1: Man, all, 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 awesome question. And and, and I, yeah, I hadn't talked totally about this, and I, and I absolutely don't want this to be a commercial. Um, huh. So so we we started using virtual assistants probably six or seven you know, six or seven years ago, just for an and it was a, a, what they call business process outsourcing, BPO. Um, and so we had some accounting function in our property management company for invoicing. And we would send invoices overnight to a team in India and they would process the invoices and over, while, we were, while we were asleep and we'd come in, they were processed. Um, and they would do that for uh, about half the price we would pay somebody in the States and about twice as good. Wow. So you know, half the price, twice as nice at half the price. You know, kind of. Um, <laughs> so so that was great for us. And but it was really nameless, faceless. We didn't. We had one contact, but they just kind of sent it. They were a salesperson um, and an, an administrator, and that worked really well for us. But we got to the point where we were like, man, we wish we could customize this a little bit more. We wish we had a little more control over. The um, virtual assistants. We wish they weren't nameless and face faceless. And so we went to um, through a, a middleman. We found a, a virtual assistant placement company, um, and they helped us find some virtual assistants where we could kind of you know, in quotes, employee, they're, they're contractors. They're like 1099 independent contractors, but they're in remote country either in the States or out of the, out of the country. Um, and they're working remotely. Um, which as you know, in this day and age is, is great. Mm-hmm. So they, they helped us develop. Now we had a real person and we had Google chat or team, Microsoft teams and different things where we could, connect with these people skype or zoom and and work with them day in day out face to face and that went through through a middleman company and that's been great and we onboarded those people like we would um, they, they just became instead of va's virtual assistants we started calling them remote t- team members um, because that's all they were they were just like a team member but they were remote and now they're no different than our team members who are local who are remote so we just had local and remote team members um, now everybody is a remote team member, even if they're local over time. This is what I said it got funny over time <laughs> as we've, t- as we've tended to do in the past, we ended up as our, as our businesses continued to grow. We just said, man, we need to go direct to the, 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 the virtual assistants themselves. And so for ourselves, so long story short, we ended up creating our own, virtual assistant company to help mm. place our own virtual assistants, just because we had so many that were helping us in our real estate brokerage, our property management company, our maintenance company. And as it th- this exact same thing that happened when when my partner and I were buying our rental houses, somebody said, Hey, can you help us buy a rental house? Hey, can you help us manage a rental house? Hey, can you help us maintain this property? And, and, and we did. And so we got a lot of interest from our entrepreneurial friends um our peers who were doing real estate in other cities our peers in in memphis and asked us hey could you all help us recruit a virtual assistant could you help us place a virtual assistant could you help us train a virtual assistant so long story short we ended up creating a virtual assistant company that we um we got a guy on staff who runs um and places virtual assistants for, for people. And, and that has been great. We are our biggest client. Um, so we drink the Kool-Aid, um, but we also help others. So that's, that's, you know, we believe in it. And, and I think, you know, we're recording this episode in, in, in the year 2020 during this, uh, COVID-19 crisis. And as you know, remote work has become very valuable. So, um, I think it's just helped all of us. It's helped our business a lot by having, already be in a remote workforce or having a, a significant portion who are already remote. Um, and then that's becoming
0: obviously more widespread what we accepted. So. Absolutely. I, I think, um, as far as, you know, corporate America and everything goes, um, having this experience of your employees being remote, I mean, it's going to be a, a skill and a business process. And I, I prefer to think about it as a skill, but there are many, um, kind of older companies that haven't adapted and now they're going to be underperforming any of their competitors who weren't ready. And there are many companies that were ready and have been implementing these things over time and really now is the time for for them to shine. Um, but you know regarding starting a, a VA company, I mean, I think that that shows that you're clearly doing this VA thing at a higher level than most people and with more skill. And if you're bringing in VAs, I mean, you're, and, and placing them in, in other uh, jobs with other people, you're having the, an even harder vetting problem than I think your VA, you know, your third party VA end users are. So, you know, tell me a couple of things that you're doing to like vet all of those VAs and yeah, get them, planes. man.
1: And, and, and I remember I was like, oh, I don't, I kind of maybe even missed part of your original question. So I think that's part fine. Of I asked qu- like six questions in a row. <laughs> yeah. Part of your original question, you know, was kind of like, how, how do you, you, you find and train, train these folks. And so, um, what, what I was going to say for, the end users out there who are looking for virtual assistance. That's what we did in, in kind of that service we provide to our clients now is we helped them do that. So we had somebody who helped us originally, they were the recruiter, they were the placement agency and they had trained, um, virtual assistants. And so we've kind of learned, we learned from that experience, um, and grew out of that when, when they, they had a business split and kind of put us in a lurch. And so we kind of that's kind of how we decided to do it on our own. Um, and then it grew from there. So we do, yes, the, the two things we do, I guess what I would say is we recruit um, through all those same means that we talked about with defining roles, doing work style assessments um, and, and looking for those people. But then what we do, rather than just deploy, you know, somebody today we put them in the organization again we take them we take somebody new and put them in a proven system and then when a new role comes open that's when we take a proven person to the new role as mm. opposed to putting a new person in a new role we call it a bench so we've got a bench of, of virtual assistants who are doing work either backup worker or or, or frontline work and then they roll into the new open positions and the new new virtual assistants come in as bench or filler to learn and then they roll out so that nobody gets you know we try and avoid i don't want to say nobody but we try and avoid a new person a new new virtual assistant getting in a new role we want to put a proven person in a new role
0: nice i love that and for the folks out there you yeah, one of my favorite kind of sayings that i've picked up and I didn't come up with in any sense um, being in this world is that I think it's a Tony Robbins thing that success leaves clues right mm, and yes we need to talk oh, yes. to the experts about what they do and clearly that's you know this, you're the expert so that's what you do that's what we should try to implement I love it right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor all right Douglas I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show as you know since you've listened to the show are you ready? I am ready. Thank you. love it. First question, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education?
1: Yeah it, it, education first for sure um, thanks for ruling that out but I, would, <laughs> I, but, they, but I would definitely say that i am a I am a I am a, a you know anyway. A big proponent of, of education formally and lifelong learning. Uh, best investment, you know, I'm going to be very simple, and we didn't even really talk about this, but I, I, I'm sure And I think I've heard you talk about it before. Uh, the Burr method. And mm-hmm. um, my very first real estate investment was a Burr method textbook. I bought a rental house on a, a home equity line of credit that I had. I rehabbed it with, it was vacant. I rehabbed it uh, with the line of credit. So I was all in with my line of credit on my personal residence. Um, I was, a, I was a more do it yourselfer, um, cause it was here in Memphis. Um, though I had contractors and partners help me. And then after I got that rented, uh, we got it fixed up. I got it rented. I took it to the bank and got a loan to, for the whole amount, you know, it appraised you know, at, you know, 1.2 X. Um, and so I got a loan for X, paid off my line of credit back to zero. So I was in my first rental house for $0 out of pocket on a 20 year mortgage with the tenant paying the mortgage. And that, that propelled me to a few now that, you know, that was one small, it was a $50,000 house and a $50,000 loan I ended up with. Um, Forty five thousand dollar house, fifty five thousand in rehab, so fifty thousand dollar house. So it's so it's not the most lucrative investment, but it started the ball rolling um, on what what became, you know, where we are today. And so I'm so thankful. Um I love but it. but it was infinite return because I, I really was with zero out of pocket. Um, and it's it's been a great performer ever since. That's awesome. I love it. That's a great so, one. So, big, yeah, big proponent of the Burr method for people who are doing residential real estate investing.
0: Nice. On the other side of that, as you know, we had the best investment. On the other side of that, what is the worst? Investment you ever made? Yeah, uh,
1: we, kind of like your education. When I mean, we've definitely made kind of, I'm going to rule out as people. We've definitely made some really terrible people decisions <laughs> who have who have really hurt us. And mm. and by running businesses again, putting unproven people into unproven, ro- you know, new roles, it, it's just been disastrous for us. Um, and lost lost a whole lot of money. Um, this wasn't. We lost money on this deal, but. it it, it was probably the first time we really lost money was we bought a house again, keeping with kind of the rental house name. We bought a house from a, a friend who was a wholesaler and it was a house that had been in a fire. Um, and we bought it for dirt cheap. And then we had some, some, it is again about relationships. We were partnered with the wrong contractors and they did all the work on the house. Um, but they didn't get all the right permits for the firehouse. As we called it, um, just a rental house that had a fire, and so the code inspectors came in, and you know made us redo absolutely everything <laughs> with a new with a new contractor who you know was their buddy, so to speak, and so it was twice oh, as much. So we were in in the house for, you know, well over four times what we thought we were supposed to be in the wow. house for. So, um, and that was one of our first one deals together that my partner and I did. And it was, it was, it was a tough one. You know, again, in the grand scheme of things, you know, I would gladly lose that money versus the money I've lost on other things, but it was a, it was a valuable lesson wow. that we're still learning. <laughs> we're still learning today of, of picking the right partners and vetting, you know, doing, doing, vetting your, investments properly on the front end with all the risk. We didn't have the risk mitigation on that, that we thought we did.
0: Well, fortunately we are here learning this lesson so that we don't have to learn it the hard way like you did. Amen. Speaking of lessons, my favorite question at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing?
1: Yeah, when I think of passive uh, real estate investing, one of the things um, that I think is the best piece of advice Um, You know, the quick answer is the Warren Buffett. Hey, rule number one, don't lose money. You know, two rules of investing. Rule number one, don't lose money. Mm -hmm. Rule number two, never forget rule number one. (laughs) So so I love Buffett. I love Buffett and I love that. I love that. But, but really when I think about it, one thing that I, I, that I have learned that I did not understand is that Pat, and, and I think I learned this from Gary Keller as far as formally in a, in a book somewhere of Carol Williams, but passive and passive investing is not, um, what passive, what we think of as just is sit back and do nothing. Mm -hmm. Investing, investing it's he, he has a concept where, you know, we, we hear from other people work in the business or on the business, be active or passive. And I, I think, so the concept here is if you're talking about working in the business, That means I work in the business, capital I and I in. I worked in the business where passive, um, and that's being very active. Um, And passive means you're working on the business and others, oh, you know, oh oh and on others are working on the business for you but it means you 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 again kind of like we talked earlier you gotta be the vision you gotta be the accountability you have to know where you want to go with the goals um, and partner with the right people but there's a there's an active nature to that passive investment but it the activity that I'm doing looks different. The other people are doing the, the work but I'm doing the accountability and vision function. So that was that was a good lesson. It's not a set it and forget it kind of investment.
0: I love whether, it.
1: Whether you whether whether, whether it's a, whether it's marketable securities or real estate, I mean, you got to manage the manager or you know keep some kind of dibs on the manager. So,
0: yeah, passive investing is not do nothing investing. I think uh, there you go. I, I love that what you said. That that, that I'm going to remember that one as well, Douglas. Thank you for joining us today, sharing all these lessons about getting the right people in our business. Uh, super valuable information for anybody out there who wants to grow a real estate portfolio of any type. It's all about the people. If folks want to learn more about you, get in touch and your VA business and all that, where can they find you?
1: Yeah. Come come see me on LinkedIn that, I mean, just me directly, that'd be easy and then I can connect wherever. Um, yeah, uh, we're, we're out on, I'm out on bigger pockets too, the real estate social network. Um, but just. Douglas Skipworth, shoot you know, catch me there, shoot me an email, private message me and I'll take, we'll get wherever we can help, however we can connect. Let's do it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. Once again, I really appreciate you taking some time here on a Saturday to record this interview with me. Definitely much appreciated to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating interview on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people learn about the show you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thanks for tuning in. Once again, I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week, and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye.